Welcome to the Presence Podcast from Hope Community Church, Wyndham. You can find more resources and connect with us through our website at hopecommunitychurch.co.uk. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired as you listen. Welcome, welcome on the live stream. My name's Ben. Uh, I have the privilege of leading the the youth team, and welcome to you guys in the room. It's great to have. Um, Now, we're looking at this whole topic of hearing God, and maybe you'll be thinking, I would love to do that, but I have no idea where to start. So I just want to recommend a resource to you from my friend Anna Goodman, who's been a a massive blessing to, uh, to myself and to our youth team. It's a book called Connected. So if you're interested in learning about hearing God, then pick that up. You can pick it on Amazon. Um, It's on Kindle as well, if that is your thing. Okay. Now, the greatest battle you are going to face today and every day is going to be the battle for your attention. For who we listen to most is who we love and value and trust the, vo- the most. The voice that we give our greatest attention to is the voice that molds our lives. John Mark Comer puts it like this. What you give your attention to is the person you become. The mind is the portal to the soul, and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life, my life, our life, is no more the sum of what you gave your attention to. Fliss started with this. God is speaking. Are you listening? It's the fight for your attention. What have you this week devoted your time, your limited energy, your limited resources, your limited attention? What have you given that to? What owns your ears? What has your attention and your focus? Now, this battle for our attention is nothing new. In fact, it began right at the beginning of humanity with Adam and Eve in the garden when the serpent came along and dragged their attention away from God and onto him and onto themselves. You see, we're following the story of Elijah and the nation of Israel. And what he is trying to do is trying to win back this people who have given their attention to, the, to uh, the God of Baal, led through uh, the king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. He is literally fighting for the attention of the people of God. You see, they had given their focus, their devotion to Baal's promises of life, sensual fulfillment, and growth and success. And so God, through Ahab, is looking to win back the attention of his people. And he does that first by sending judgment through drought. And now Elijah has asked King Ahab for a public showdown, a rumble in the jungle, should you like it. These two, God, Yahweh, and Baal, facing off on Baal's home turf of Mount Carmel. God wants a fight. He is fighting for the hearts and ears 
of his people. Whitney Wallard, who writes uh, for the Bible Project, wrote this, the nation of Israel is a microcosm of the human race. It's a picture of what is going on in every heart, in every nation, in every people. God is longing to win his people back for their attention. So let's read this story. It might be familiar to you. It might be unfamiliar. It's the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings 18, and we're going to read verses 20 to 40 together. So Ahab, that's King Ahab, sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together, that's the prophets of Baal, at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. One verses 450. I imagine Ahab likes his odds at this moment in time. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull from themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on wood, but, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it either. And you, you call on the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people surrounding them said, it's well spoken. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but make sure you put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them and they prepared it and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. That's possibly around about three hours they are calling out to Baal. Saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. Basically, he needs a number two. Okay? Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. 
and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two sayers of seed. And he put wood in order and cut the bull in pieces. And he laid it on the wood and said, fill four jars with water. Remember, there had been a drought. And pour it on the burnt offering and the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water around the altar filled the trench also with water. Have you ever tried to set fire to wet wood? Disaster. Okay. Elijah is making this difficult for God. But at the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things according to your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones. Stones begin to melt at over 1,200 degrees. This is hot stuff that's happening right now. And the dust, and it licked up all the water that is in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. That last verse is all to do with actually uh, the Mosaic law, that actually it was by law that if you're a prophet of another God, you had to be put to death. That was part of the law of the nation, but they had rejected the voice of God. It's an amazing story. It is a phenomenal story of God hearing his people, turning their hearts back. God, in this story, is fighting for the hearts, the attention of his people. I don't know if you know, but we live in an attention economy. Tech companies all over the world, news cycles, sports, politics, social media influences, they are all wanting a piece of the pie. They are all wanting your attention. It's considered one of the most precious commodities that you have. And so through our devices, television, all those kind of things. People, companies are fighting for your attention and for mine. Let me ground this a little. Catherine Hill uh, is one of the leading spokespersons for the charities Care for the Family. She counsels marriages, parents, all these kind of things. And she was asked, what is your top tip for improving communication? What would be your one thing if communication is broken down in family or in a marriage, what would be the one thing that you would say? She would say this, switch off your phone. You see, to love, to connect, means to give somebody your undivided attention. 
You have to recognize that when you're on this, you're actually with somebody else. You cannot give your full attention. Remember what John Mark Comer said? Your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. You know, the Jews in Elijah's day, they had a prayer that they would repeat uh, morning and evening. It was the most precious prayer to them every day. It was called the Shema. And uh, it's from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It goes like this. And they would have learned it by memory and would have recounted it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. The, English, uh, the word that we've got for here in our English translation is the Hebrew word Shema. And it has a very rich meaning um, to it. It means to give your full attention to. It means to res- be responsive and attentive. Or if I could just kind of simplify it, your ears are connected to your heart. What you listen to molds your life. You see, the heart of God's people is to be determined by our attentiveness to him. Our devotion and love to God is seen by our attentiveness to him. Our ears reflect and focus our hearts. Or if I could put it another way, our attention is our worship. In our story, Israel's attention is far from God. They have persistently, for years, not listened to him. They have gone after Baal's voice. They have listened to his enticing promises of life and fulfillment. Let me put it another way. They are living in God's house, but they are constantly on the phone to Baal. See, fire on Mount Carmel is a crucial intervention. God is saying, wake up! Are you listening? Because I am speaking. You have given your ears to somebody else. I want your heart back. You see, Mount Carmel is God taking the phone and smashing it to pieces. He will not share your heart with another. Now, the Bible consistently, through its stories, through its songs, through its prophecies, shows us a God who is fighting for the hearts of his people. God is, today, he is contending for you. He is contending for your attention. Does he have it? Pete Grieg writes this. Satan's primary objective has never been to tempt you into violating a particular set of rules. His number one aim is simply to divert your 
attention away from Jesus. He'll use sin to do it for sure, but he'll equally use busyness or Candy Crush Saga. You see, Jesus himself told a parable about this. He said there was a farmer that was going out to sow seed, and it fell on different soil. And the level of the soil's hardness or softness was a reflection of their attentiveness to his words. He, and Jesus ended that parable, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or to tell you another story about Jesus, Jesus goes up a mountain with uh, Peter, James, and John, and he is transfigured before them. They see him in all his glory. And Elijah, from our story, rocks up with Jesus, and Moses is there, and then God's voice speaks. And what does he say? He says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. You see, love for Jesus equals listening to Jesus, responding to Jesus, attentiveness to Jesus. James K.A. Smith, who's written a superb book called You Are What You Love, says this. Discipleship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart, to be attentive and intentional about what you love. God isn't content to simply deposit new ideas into your mind. He is after nothing less than your wants, your loves, your longings. Listening and responding to Jesus is ultimately an issue of your worship. What you love, what you trust, what you value most gets your attention. See, one of our greatest challenges in this cultural moment is to resist the distraction of the world and to let God have our full attention. Do you want to know who's the biggest attention grabber in your life? You are. You are. I am. Where discipleship means I am more attentive to Jesus than I am to myself. I follow him. I don't follow me. That's the challenge, folks, as Christians. Now, let's just be real uh, for a moment. This last year has been tough to be attentive to Jesus, particularly on a Sunday morning. I don't know if you found that. I have definitely found that. Sunday, half past 10 comes round, you put the, the live stream on, and then suddenly something is going on with my children that I need to resolve. Or there's a chore that needs doing, or the internet's not working properly. It has been hard, hasn't it? To give our full attention to Jesus. So let's just be real in a moment. That's, that's been tough, hasn't it? But what I want to say is this. If over time we don't continually refocus our attention, our hearts will drift. So I want to help you. How do our hearts pull back so that we can give Jesus our full attention? What do, what do we to understand what do we need to grasp in order to let Jesus have 
our attentiveness. How can you and I be increasingly attentive to Jesus? Well, let me just share with you two things, and then uh, my friends Karis and Christina are going to come up and uh, share some prophetic words that they've been praying over us, and then we'll finish with worship. So just two things that I want to share with you that will help you. Number one is this, experience experience God's heart for you. Do you know every day God is after you? He's pursuing. You see, it's easier to be attentive to somebody when you know you have their attention. And actually, all through the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel, you recognize Baal is completely unattentive to his people, and yet Yahweh, in just a 30-second prayer from Elijah, fire falls from heaven. Why? Because he's the God who listens. He's the God who is attentive to his people. Deuteronomy 4, verses 23 to 24, is an, an explanation theologically of what is going on in our story. It says this, Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you and made a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you, which is what they had done, okay? For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous And the ESV study Bible puts it like this in commentary on these verses. It says, this is the language of love. God is so passionately committed to relationship with his people, he is jealous for you. He is pursuing you. He is jealous for you every day, every moment. He is jealous for you. He is consumed with passion for you. It's almost like God is saying, I want you for myself. I don't want to share you with another. As I was uh, preparing this, I was reminded of my granddad. And uh, one of my many memories uh, is going and uh, being in home in Broadstairs and sitting and watching the garden. And they would have some amazing birds turn up. Um, in their garden, parrots and finches, and blue tits, and and I just seeing these birds come. Now, my granddad had a problem: squirrels. Squirrels. Squirrels would come and take the food. They would he would just, they would destroy the feeders. They would scare away the birds. And so, my granddad, being a jealous man for the life of his birds he decided he would rig up the bird feeders to electrocute the squirrels. It's true, isn't it? It's true. And so he went to these crazy lengths, and, then, and, and at just one moment, he was going to rig, uh, plug the plug in, and there would go the squirrels. Why? Why did he do that? Because he was jealous for the blessing of the bird. The squirrels had stolen something that belonged that was going to give life to something else. He wasn't just jealous for his own enjoyment. He was jealous for their blessing. And that's what God is like for us. He is jealous for your blessings. He will go against anything that won't just rob him of his glory, but rob you of life. 
which is what the squirrels was doing to the birds' food, is robbing them of life. And so God goes after anything in your life that will rob you of the blessing of his life for you. Now, when I say God is after you, it's also really important that you understand he is not after you in judgment. You see, when the fire of God would fall in the Old Testament, it meant one of two things. It meant God judging and wiping out sin, or it also meant, like in the dedication of Solomon's temple, it meant the uh, intimate reality of God's fiery presence among his people. And so... The people of God have sinned. They have walked away from him in Elijah's time. But where does the fire fall? It falls on the sacrifice, not on the people who deserved it. And you know what? This sacrifice that Elijah had made, it was precious. It was probably the most precious thing in the land. Why? Because 12 large jars of the most precious commodity in a drought-ridden land had been poured all over it. Water was the most precious thing to an Israelite at that moment. And what Elijah do? Takes gallons of it and pours it over the sacrifice. And the fire of God consumes it. Do you know on another mountain, the most precious sacrifice ever was given for you? The Son of God. On the cross, the fire of the wrath and judgment of God was poured out on him. Why? So that the fiery presence of the intimate God could fall on you. Guys, God wants your attention. Why? So he can bless you. He's after you. And when you know he's after you, it's so much easier to be attentive to him. Let me finish with the last thing. So experience his heart for you. Next is we need to tune into his voice. We need to tune in to his voice. Now, with my phone, I can communicate in a myriad of ways with my wife. I could send her a text message. I could give her a call. I could FaceTime her. I could send her a voice message. I could send her an emoji or a GIF. There are loads of different ways in which we can communicate using our devices. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, imagine Amy turned to me and said, Ben... I only want you to talk to me using text messages. Now, some of you have done that with God. You will only let him speak to you in ways that you are familiar or comfortable. Actually, God in scriptures wants to communicate in a broad variety of ways to his people. Let me list you some, and then I'm going to read you something Uh, from Isaiah 55. So he can speak to you through your memories. He can speak to you through your dreams. He can speak to you through pictures or movies in your mind. He can speak to you through the scriptures, signs, symbols, other people, your experience in the past or the present. It can be something you read or see, your natural senses and emotions, your surroundings. He can speak to you through angels, through thoughts to the mind and facts that you know. That is just a short list of the ways in which God wants to get your attention. One of my great joys uh, in growing up was the cartoons of Calvin and Hobbes. And one of my favorite ones that was sat 
uh, on my bedside table uh, is there's treasure everywhere. And do you want to know what? Every day, God has hidden treasure everywhere for you to find. There's treasure. There is. There's treasure everywhere that God wants to speak to you through. So let me finish with these amazing words from Isaiah 55 that I think encapsulate what God is saying to us. It says this, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why do you spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me. And you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. God is speaking. Are you listening? My friends, uh, Karis and Christina, have been praying for us. And so they've got a few words that they just want to share with us. So let's be listening and responsive to them. Go for it, Karis. Thank you, Ben. Um, God speaks to me in many different ways. And over the, past, over the past week, he spoke to me in pictures and in scripture, and I'd love to share these with you. So first, I've got, um, I've got a picture for someone who either owns or loves electric cars. Um, this is for you, okay? I don't know much about electric cars, but I know you have to plug them in. Um, so you know when your electric car needs to be plugged in. You know how, um, how long you can go before your car needs to be plugged in. You know the miles that you can go. And in, with that, God is telling me that actually you know when you need to come back to him each time to be refreshed, to be refilled. He loves and delights that you come back to him again and again and have time with him. Um, but I feel God is saying, actually, this time, next time, this time when you come to him and say, Lord, fill me, refresh me, I need you, he's actually going, you're actually going to have that deeper um, relationship with him, that deeper kind of time with him. And actually, it's because he would like to just take you those extra miles. It's like plugging in that electric car, but going a lot further this time. So rather than going 100 miles um, and then have to plug in, next time it's going to be, he's going to take you 1,000 miles. There's something you um, he would like to just bestow upon you and bless you with and um, to fill you up and I felt like there's another gifting that you desire and God wants you to just go for it he's just plug in and he's going to take you those extra miles um, I've also got um, a scripture for um, someone called Carol that was the name that God gave me and um, if this is you I've got Jeremiah 29 that wonderful wonderful scripture um, which you know which reads um for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And um, these, this scripture is one of your favorite scriptures. These, this is something that um, just delights, delights you when you um, read this. And actually God um, wanted to highlight this scripture for you today to just share with you that he is, he is close to you, that he knows you. And actually, um, he's got good, good things in store for you. Um, but actually, he really, I really felt God was saying it wasn't just for you, but it's actually for you and your family. 
It's something good for you and your family. And he just wanted to remind you today that he's close to you and that he cares for you. Um, Also, um, so I had a picture of a ladder. And this is for someone who's got a big job, a big task in hand coming up this week. And as a window cleaner gets a ladder out and goes up the ladder, um, has to do a job in hand, um, there was this ladder. So I felt there was a job in hand that needed to be done this week. Um, But I saw God was at the base of this ladder. He was holding the ladder for you. And there was no way you were going to fall. So just to encourage somebody this week that you have got a job in hand to do, but God has got you on this ladder. He is at the base of this ladder holding you firmly. And you can go up the ladder and do the job in hand, knowing he has got you. And he gave me the scripture. um, He just gave me a verse from Psalm 144. Verse 1, it says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in he in whom I take refuge. So just take refuge this week. That Actually, the job in hand that you have got to do, God has got you. He is at the base there. He is your rock. Um, I've also got, um, I just wanted to go for... Um, healing as well I felt like there was um, maybe several people this week have really suffered with headaches or or maybe it's an acute headache or something you suffer with quite regularly and I really feel this morning today's the last day you're going to get those headaches God is going to heal you from those headaches today so if that is you then yeah God I just pray right now in the name of Jesus those headaches to go in the name of Jesus and you're going to have such a release of healing over you right now in the name of Jesus Okay, so I had a, a verse, which is 1 Peter three fifteen, And I think this is for us as a church. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. And I just felt that um, coming out of things, you know, emerging, being able to meet with more people, that are we ready with the hope? Can we explain it? Do we have a testimony? Do we have a story? Are we able to share it? And I just felt that was a challenge from God to us now. Um, The other words I had were quite specific things um, for individuals. One was regarding somebody who uh, loves horse riding, absolutely loves horse riding, the freedom and exhilaration that that gives but I felt that they'd had an accident, um, and there's disappointment over that. I don't know if that's a riding accident or something completely different, but if that's you, please do get some prayer um, for that. And the other was regarding, I saw a pair of trainers, which was somebody who's been prayer walking, and they were white trainers, and they're actually quite worn out because you've been prayer walking quite a lot, And I felt God just say he just loves that time with you. It's so special. It's so precious. He's just so blessed. And there's more for you in that. So again, I would um, encourage you to get prayer because I think it's all about us, that individual, but all of us being courageous, being able to share what we have um, because people are so hungry. Thanks for listening. To connect with us or for more resources like this, go to hopecommunitychurch.co.uk.